Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. This is 18. We're going to pick off, pick up where we left off a few months ago, studying the life of Abraham, learning from our father in the faith. Genesis 18. Bear Bryant said, expect the unexpected. We are to be prepared for the unexpected. You say, how do you prepare for something if you don't expect it? Well, in football, you train, you get as strong as you can, you get as effective at what you do as you can get, so that when the team calls a play you didn't expect, as long as you do what you're supposed to be doing, as long as you're focused on what you are called to do, regardless of what the other team does, you will, in theory, be able to execute the plan. I don't know about you, but I'm a creature of habit. I'm a, I'm a routine guy. And yet, despite that, every week there's something that comes in, into play that messes up the routine, that the curveballs keep coming. And we have to learn that as much as some of us might like routine and like to think that we know exactly how the day is going to play out, how the week is going to play, play out, Life always is throwing curveballs at us. And so tonight we want to talk about priming our faith. We want to talk about faith that is prepared for the unexpected. Because there's no way that we can anticipate everything that life throws at us. But we can strengthen our faith, focus our faith, And if our trust is truly in Jesus Christ, then he is certainly prepared. He knows what is awaiting us. He knows what tomorrow will bring, even though we don't. And we're going to look at a story tonight about a man. God stepped into his routine and shook him in an unexpected way. But Abraham, being the man of faith that he had learned to be over the course of decades, uh, responded well. Now, let's just for a moment, since it has been a, a few months since we've been in Genesis together looking at the life of Abraham, let's uh, remember what we saw in chapter 17. Chapter 17 is the reaffirmation of God's covenant with Abraham, and it's in Genesis 17 that God changes Abraham's name. The first half of this series, as we were looking through chapters 12 through 17, I kept making the mistake of calling Abram Abraham. Thankfully, after after this point, we I won't have to worry about that because from now on he is Abraham. But it's in chapter 17 that he received that name change. It's in chapter 17 that Sarai is renamed Sarah. And what I want to show you tonight, as we looked at a few months ago, God changed Abraham's name by adding one Hebrew letter. 
And God changed Sarai's name by, ad, by changing. He didn't have to add a, a letter to her name, but he changed one letter. And he changed it to the same letter, the same Hebrew uh, uh, pictograph letter. And that letter in the Hebrew language is representative of the Holy Spirit. And what God was saying to Abraham and to Sarah is, I am going to work supernaturally in your life. I'm going to do something miraculous in your life by the power of my Holy Spirit. And you are now going to become not by the works of the flesh, not by your own ingenuity, not by any work that you do, but by the work of my spirit in you, you and Sarah are going to have a miraculous testimony. Now, the exciting part is for us as New Testament believers is that we all receive the Holy Spirit when we get saved. This was a privilege that was given for seasons in the Old Testament testament under the old covenant the holy spirit would come upon people for a season to enable them to accomplish a specific task or a specific ministry that god had called them to but the holy spirit did not permanently indwell people in the holy spirit it's why in psalm 51 when david after david had sinned against bathsheba sinned against uriah but ultimately as he says in psalm 51 against thee and thee only have i sinned Really, ultimately, he was sinning against God that David pleaded, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. That's not a prayer that we need to pray because the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us when we sin. But we do need to pray that when we are grieving the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will fill us again, that the Holy Spirit will empower us again, that the Holy Spirit, who, who is still with us, will forgive us and of course, we know the testimony that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the Holy Spirit has anointed us for ministry and for His work uh, in a way. We're, we're not going to experience the same kind of miraculous event that uh, Abraham and Sarah experienced. So uh, you don't have to worry about that if you're great-grandparents you don't have to worry about uh, a surprise the way that uh, <laughs> that Abraham and Sarah but we're going to see tonight it wasn't so much a surprise but what was the surprise what was the promise not a surprise because God God told them they would have a child and in chapter 17 verse 17 we see Abraham when he hears about this promised child he laughs he thinks it's funny God really <laughs> you think that my wife Sarah is going to get pregnant. You think that she's going to have a baby at her age? Are you serious? And so God says, how about we name the child Laughter? How about we name the child Isaac so that every time you call his name, you remember this moment. You remembered how you reacted to the promise. And then Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. And so uh, also in that chapter, we talked about the fact that God uh, promised the land of Canaan to Abram, Abraham and his... Now I'm making the opposite mistake. I'm calling him Abram. He promised the land to Abraham and to his descendants and to his seed. And there was a promise there that Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 was specifically made to Jesus Christ, the ultimate descendant, because it's that descendant of Abraham 
Isaac and Jacob that makes all of the other promises possible. The promise of the Messiah. And so with that as our backdrop, this transformation that God has brought into Abraham and Sarah's lives, nevertheless, she's still not gotten pregnant. Of course, that's no surprise to Sarah. But now we see God encountering Abraham and Sarah in an unexpected way. Look at uh, chapter 18 with me. And let's just read this uh, historical account and then we'll walk back through it together. And the Lord appeared unto him, unto Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him, and when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched. And wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for therefore ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal needed, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched the calf tender and good and gave it to the young man, and he hastened to dress it, and he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree and they did eat and they said unto him where is Sarah thy wife and he said behold in the tents and he said I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life and lo Sarah thy wife shall have a son and Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. Now, she didn't laugh out loud like her husband, but she laughed inside saying, after I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything... Too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. Now I want to show you a couple things about this passage tonight. Number one, We see here that the Lord is appearing to Abraham incognito, in disguise. And this incognito visit is happening at an inconvenient time. Betty and Leroy just got back from Florida. Marty was in Florida. Florida can get pretty hot in the middle of the day, especially in summertime. It can get pretty hot down south. And here he is in the heat of the day, and it's so hot that he is staying in the shade, and he's sitting outside where he can catch a little bit of a breeze, if there is any, and is a 99-year-old man 
think maybe if you read a little bit into the text, it sounds like he was or was at least trying to take a nap. He's just trying to get some rest. It's hot. He's trying to get some relief from the heat, maybe falling asleep a little bit or trying to. And here he is at this most inconvenient of times. And all of a sudden, behold, three guys appear. Now, we know because we've read the story that this was not an ordinary company of men. This wasn't just, you know, the three amigos coming by. This was God himself in human form and two of his angels. And as we'll see, Lord willing, next week, they they are on a very special mission to go to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and pronounce judgment. But on the way, here we have the Lord and his angels in disguise. From reading this text, there's nothing to indicate in these first few verses because the term my Lord, it it was a term used, and it's used elsewhere in the scriptures, of of just respect, of of just a a greeting that you would give, a a way of almost like we we would call somebody sir or ma'am. This was maybe a little more formal than that, of course, but this was just a, a term of respect that people would use. There's nothing here to indicate that Abraham understands at first who he's talking to. In fact, he expects these men to pass him by. If he knew it was the Lord, he would have certainly assumed that the Lord was coming to talk to him. I mean, he, God has talked to him in the past. He has he is called in the Bible. In fact, he's the only person by name who is called the friend of God. And so to think that he knows this is God and is not expecting God to come speak to him would be a stretch. He's trying to get these guys. He sees he knows it's the heat of the day. He knows it's a dangerous time to be traveling in the heat of the day. And these men obviously don't have uh, resources with them. So I'm sure it was striking to him that these three guys would be out without any kind of entourage and they're traveling by foot and Abraham, concerned for their health and safety, says, guys, would you please come in? And, and he actually thinks that God has sent them, not that God is, is with them, but that God has sent them to him to protect them and provide for them. God is never absent from our lives. But he is sometimes in disguise. And there are times when we don't see God active in our lives, but He is still there. He is working. He has promised us in Hebrews 13.5 that He will never leave us or never forsake us. And this is something that Elijah is trying to understand. Well, Daddy, how come we don't see God? Well, how, if, if God is everywhere, then why don't we see Him? And that's the question we don't stop asking. We may stop verbalizing it, but we ask that in different ways as we get older. God, why don't I see you moving? Why don't I see you answering my prayer? Why don't, why don't I don't see you active in my life? I promise you on the authority of Scripture, God has not left you. He has not forsaken you. But sometimes He comes to us in disguise. You know, just a quick word on angels here. Psalm 104 verse 4 says that God maketh His angels spirits, His ministers a flaming fire and yet here we see two angels in disguise as ordinary human beings certainly they they are not 
on fire, certainly not, they're not burning like the human torch. They appear to be ordinary men. And Hebrews 13 also tells us that some Christians have actually entertained angels unawares because whether we, we don't, the Bible is not as clear as we would like it to be when it describes angels. And we have a lot of questions that we are not going to get answered until we are on the other side of eternity. But it would appear that either there are multiple kinds of angels, and there are certainly verses in the Scriptures that would indicate that, that there are a variety of angels, that God didn't just create one kind of angel, that He didn't create just one kind of spirit being, just like He didn't create one kind of physical being. In fact, the book of Revelation talks about the living creatures. And when you read the description of angels in Ezekiel, uh, it's pretty amazing when you read the, read the description of the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6. It's pretty amazing. And there are similarities, but also differences. But some people have also thought, well, maybe, maybe angels also just have the ability to shapeshift. That, that's a pretty wild thought. In fact, there are times when the angels are, some of the angels are described as having four faces. Does that mean that they actually have four faces at the same time? Or is the Bible telling us that they are able to assume those four different forms just as part of their spirit nature? We, we can't know for sure, but we do know that angels have the ability to hide their glory, to hide their power, and to appear as normal human beings. I may have shared this story with you before. I, I think I shared it with our Sunday morning Bible study class um, not too long ago, but uh, the lady who led me to the Lord when I was a child, she uh, has told us, our family, the story of a time when she had to fly on a plane, and she uh, has been deathly afraid of flying on uh, planes, and she was praying uh, before she had to get on the plane, God, please give me grace, God, please give me grace. She knows she had to make this trip. I think it probably involved, I think, I don't think they had grandkids at the time, I think it was probably involved a child. And she thought, I, I, God, please give me grace so I, can, so I can make this trip. And she gets on the plane, and she sits down, and she's praying, and she's nervous. And then a passenger sits down beside her, and they begin to talk. And she says, hi, my name's Linda. What's your name? And, and the woman said, oh, my name's Grace. And she said, I just felt the, the Holy Spirit just calm me down. And I was fine from there on. And we talked, and we had just a great time uh, on the plane. And she said, then as we were getting off the plane, I turned around to thank her and to tell her that I had been praying, you know, and here you're, you came and your name was Grace. And she couldn't find the woman. And then the, the flight attendant couldn't find where the woman went. And you say, well, maybe it was just somebody got, yeah, maybe. Or maybe it was an angel unawares. Who knows? We'll find out when we get to heaven. But God does use sometimes angels, even in, in ways that we don't realize at the time. Now, concerning theophanies or appearances of God in the Old Testament, let me, I, I've talked about this before, I think, on a Sunday night, but let me just, just touch on this very briefly. There are times in the Old Testament when God appeared in either angelic form or in human form. 
We see the angel of the Lord throughout the Old Testament in the book of Joshua, in the book of Judges. And here uh, we see God himself at first in appearance as a man. Usually these are referred to as Christophanies. Most theologians believe these are Old Testament appearances of Christ. My position is different. I believe it is much more likely these are Old Testament appearances of the Holy Spirit. Because when you go into the New Testament, there are several times when the angel of the Lord appears and it's clearly not the Son of God. It's clearly not Jesus. One of those being uh, Matthew chapter 1, when Jesus is being conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary and the angel of the Lord is speaking. The angel of the Lord is obviously not the baby Jesus there. It's the Holy Spirit. And then also in Acts chapter 8, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, we are told the angel of the Lord spoke to him and then we're told the Spirit of God spoke to him. And in context, it appears that the Spirit of God is the angel of the Lord in Acts chapter 8. And so we could, that's not something that we're going to argue about, but just something to think about. Uh, I believe this is not Jesus Christ here in human form, but this is the Holy Spirit taking human form. The Holy Spirit's God. He can appear however He wants. He can work however He wants, however He chooses. And uh, certainly in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is God's capital M messenger Jesus said in John chapter 16 when the Holy Spirit comes he's only going to speak what he is told to speak he is God the Father God the Son's messenger even though he is God fully God the Holy Spirit so the Lord and his angels come to Abraham in disguise and the place here is significant as well verse 1 says that it was the plains of Mamre now, if you do a word search or if, you're, if you've been reading this story from beginning to end, of course, we're not reading it beginning to end. We're, we're taking it in chunks. But if you were to sit down and just read this, you might that, that term, that plains of Mamre should pop out at you because back in chapter 13, verse 18, this was one of the places where Abraham had built an altar to God. It was after the division between the, the fight, really, between Abraham's servants and Lot's servants. And it caused such a division that Abraham, even though he loved Lot like a son, his nephew Lot, he said, Lot, uh, we need to separate. And so you pick where you want to go. And, and of course, Lot picked Sodom. And we find, as we'll see next week, Lord willing, Sodom is where these angels are headed. And then after... Lot separated from Abraham. God reaffirmed His promise to Abraham. And God said, hey, by the way, I'm giving you the whole land. You may have said you could, that Lot could go that direction, but I'm giving you the whole land. And then Abraham builds an altar there. And, and isn't it interesting that this is where the Lord appears to Abraham many, many years after? I don't know about you, but I can give testimony that God often works with us in familiar places. Places that have been part of our spiritual histories. Places where we made a decision for Christ or we made a recommitment to Christ. 
For some of you, that may be a place like New Life Bible Camp or, uh, you know, for me, Liberty University, uh, different places where we encounter God in a very powerful way. And then it's part of our testimony. It's part of our history. And then we find ourselves years later at that place and God will do something to remind us of the commitment that we have made and the commitment that He has made to us when, when He forgives our sins. When He brings us into His family. He leads us by still waters. He restores our souls. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Because when we become a child of God, when we repent of our sins... And when we trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus as our only forgiveness and as our way to be, uh, to be in right standing, our only way to be in right standing with God, and we receive forgiveness by His grace through faith, He brings us into His family. He puts His name on us. He commits Himself to us. And so there are times in our lives when God will remind us not only of the commitments we've made to Him, but the commitments He has made to us. The times that God was faithful to us it could be a grandparents house it could be a church it could be a church altar there's many different places that God can use but this was a place that was part of Abraham's testimony he had built an altar here and God says I'm going to speak to you at that place I'm going to speak to you at that place but it was an inconvenient time it was an inconvenient time you know in the heat of the day, right? The siesta time. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's the time of the day, especially if I was up later, if especially I've been working hard, or especially if it's really hot out, that's when it's very easy. If I sit, if I sit still for too long, and, and hey, this is a 99-year-old guy here, and he is tired, I'm sure, and it is hot, that I know. And it's in that moment that God sends these three men who, who are more than men, but Abraham doesn't know that right away. The Lord interrupts his routine. He rouses him from his rest. And God expects and certainly allows him to serve, to work, to wake up, get to work. And notice that even though he was probably napping, because the word says he, he looked up and there they were. So it, it, it sounds like they didn't just appear like Star Trek transporters appear. It, it sounds like they were there, but he just realized he was probably nodding off and boom, there, there they were right in front of him. These guys coming down the road, or coming across the plain, and he wakes up. But Abraham did not let the inconvenience of ministry be an excuse not to serve. And again, he didn't know that he was serving God. But didn't Jesus say, if you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me? We serve God by serving others. And sometimes it's inconvenient. And sometimes the timing isn't right. And sometimes we want to let the phone ring. And sometimes we, sometimes we, we do need to, right? Because we, we got to take care of ourselves, and we got to take care of our families. But there are also times, even when we do need rest, when God wants us to put our own needs aside 
And Jesus modeled for that. One of those places that he modeled that for us is in Mark chapter 6. Why don't you keep a, a finger in Genesis chapter 18. Turn with me real quick to Mark chapter 6. We're not going to unpack this, but I, I just want to show you a few things that uh, are back to back in this chapter. We have physical exhaustion in Mark 6. We have emotional exhaustion in Mark 6. There's a lot that's happening here. Jesus is sending out the 12 in verse 7. Two by two, he gave them power over unclean spirits, commanded that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money, but to be shod with sandals, put on, not to put on two coats, but to go to these places and to give testimony to who he is and what's going on. And they, verse 13, they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. And they have this. They're, they're on this incredible missionary journey, but what's happening while they're serving God? We find out that Herod had John the Baptist arrested, and we find out that Herod thinks that Jesus is John the Baptist resurrected because Herod has put John the Baptist to death. And there's an emotional strain that is on these disciples as they're doing ministry and as John the Baptist has been martyred for standing up for God's truth. And so when they get back to Jesus in verse 31, he says unto them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest. He says, guys, we need a rest. We need a break. We need a, a staff retreat. We need to get out of here, we need to take a break, and we need to rest because you guys are emotionally and physically exhausted. But what happens? Verse 32, they departed into a desert place by ship privately, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him. And they ran a foot hither out of all cities and outwent, and outwent them and came together unto him. And so what did Jesus see when he, he, he was taking these men on a retreat to get some rest? But verse 34 said, when Jesus, he came out, he saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place. Now is the time far past. Send them away. We need rest. And what does he say? You guys give them something to eat. And then, of course, we have the miraculous feeding here. Of the 5,000, the 5,000 men, really probably about 20,000 people, 18, 20,000 people were, were there. They only counted the men. God put them to work. Abraham was someone who, even though God appeared to him at an inconvenient time, he got to work. This is a man, and I, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how Abraham responded to these visitors who he did not yet know who they were. He responded personally. This is a guy with over 400 servants. He's 99 years old. He had every excuse in the book to send servants to do the work. But he knew in his heart that God had sent them to him. He didn't know it was God himself. But he knew that it was God who sent them. He said, look, God has sent you to me. Let me serve you. He responded quickly. He didn't 
say, hey guys, hang out, for, you know, uh, let me finish my nap and then we'll get, we'll get to ministry. And he responded generously. He said, guys, this is just a small meal. Well, it's a, it, it was a big meal, right? It's like we haven't, we haven't been able to see my, uh, my in-laws for a, a few years, but the times I've been to Canada, I mean, smorgasbord every time we eat. And, and it's my mother-in-law, she just loves to cook, and it's, it's good food. I always overeat. More. My, and my, my father-in-law, more, more, eat more, eat more. Oh, uh, Atata, I'm full. Why not? Why not? Eat more, eat more, eat. <laughs> just a little meal, just a little meal. Well, it's a big meal. Well, that, that's what he did. Generosity. And this was not for family. This was for strangers. The generosity of Abraham. See, we see, even though he had the status, even though he had the money, even though he had the servants, he still was willing to serve others. He models active faith. First Peter chapter four says, guys, you've been given a gift and you need to use it to serve. You need to use it to serve other people. Now, your gift isn't my gift. My gift isn't your gift. But whatever your gift, use it to serve others. Use it to serve the people that God has placed in your life. And I know I'm speaking to the Wednesday night crowd, so I know I know I'm speaking to the people who are serving. Uh, but I want to just encourage you with that. I want to I remind you and reinforce that. Verse John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus gave himself for us. And we need to give ourselves for others. The Lord appeared to Abram in an incognito visit. Let me just say this next part very quickly. Number two, the Lord revealed himself by promising what only he could provide. By promising what was humanly impossible. How did Abraham know this was suddenly God speaking? How did Sarah know it was suddenly God speaking? Probably Abraham had mentioned his wife's name. So it was probably not that they said, where is Sarah? That's probably not what was the key. But when he promised what only God had promised, when he promised, Abraham, I'm going to keep my promise to you. Sarah's going to have a child this time next year. I'm going to come back. She's going to have a child. Then he knew who he was talking to. Then he knew this wasn't just three dudes. He knew this was God. And Sarah knew it too. Because when he read her thoughts, she didn't laugh out loud. She laughed in her heart. She was talking to herself in her heart. Sometimes I get in trouble for the things I say. I tell Gigi, imagine what I'm not saying. <laughs> You'd think I'm bad now. She used to, uh, I, I don't post a lot on Facebook anymore, but I used to. She's like, honey, you, could just get, you can't put everything you think on Facebook. I said, honey, do you think I put a lot on I You should see what I'm not putting on there. You used to see what I'm holding back. We think what we're holding back is what keeps us safe, but God sees every single word in our mind, every single word in our heart. 
The Lord revealed himself by promising what was humanly impossible. He repeated the promise to Sarah that and he set a date this time. And isn't it funny? You can tell these two have been married for a long time because they react the exact same way. They both laugh. Now he laughed out loud. She laughed inside. Do you have laughing doubts? Are there things that God's word says and it just makes you go, God's not going to do that for me. God's not going to keep that promise for me. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. Have you seen my list of needs? Have you seen my list of needs? The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, I don't see him anywhere. Oh, he's there. He's just in disguise. But there are a lot of things in the Bible that a lot of times we'll, we'll hear something in our, in on our sinful spirit will go, yeah, right. Yeah, right. God hears that laugh. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you the way you spoke to Sarah. Say, I heard that laugh. I heard that laugh. Oh, I wasn't laughing. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. The Lord asked her, is anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? It just amazes me that I still struggle sometimes with how's God going to meet this need? How's God going to do this? How's God going to... Because all I have to do is stop and think. I mean, God brought Gigi and I together from literally opposite sides of the planet. <laughs> I mean, we, I, and I, we can see how God has, has brought us together, how God has worked us together. I, we can see how God brought us to this church. I mean, I can see how God worked things out to get us in Cumberland and then to get us here. And Is, is anything too hard for God? Anything too hard for God? Listen, I've had $13 in my bank account. I took the job that I, that I did not want to take because I had to pay the bills. I've been there, and I can tell you there is nothing too hard for God. He will meet all of your needs. He will never leave you or forsake you. If you lack wisdom and you ask him and you really believe, he will give you wisdom for the decision that you have to make or the, or the uh, place that you are in. And Sarah is one awesome testimony of that. And so I want to close with this. The Lord confronted her doubt. The Lord confronted her doubt. Look again back here in Genesis chapter 18. Sarah denied verse 15. I laughed not. Why did she say that? Because she's afraid. She's afraid of what God's going to say. She was smart enough to know you don't laugh at God. Sometimes my son gets mouthy with me, and sometimes I just laugh at him. It just He was getting bossy with me this afternoon, sweetie, and I just, I just burst out laughing. And it was kind of funny because he went from being annoyed with me, then he started to laugh because I was laughing at him. We laugh. Sometimes we, we laugh at God. We think, my word, God, how are you going to do that? But then we get scared, and God says, listen, I'm going to confront your doubts. There's nothing too hard for me. I know you laughed, but guess what? God didn't break his promise. She laughed. She doubted. But God still showed up, didn't he? God still gave her the child. And so God's bigger than your doubts. God's bigger than your failures. God's bigger than your frustrations. God is big enough to handle your doubts. And so trust all of the promises of God. Now, God has not... 
promised you uh, at 90 that you're going to have a child or as if you're a, a man at 99 that you're going to have a child. But God has made a ton of promises in his word to you. And if you will claim them, he will keep them. There are some promises that he will keep regardless of whether you claim them or not. But there are other promises where God says you have not because you ask not. So you got to be in the word. You got to know what the promises are. And don't look at your situation. Look at your savior. Don't look at the size of the problem. Look at the size of the God. There is nothing too hard for him. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you for this testimony of your miraculous working. To show that Abraham and Sarah, God, were part of a divine plan. To send Messiah, but God also to show that there is nothing too difficult for you. And so, God, help us to God to remember your promises to us, to keep our eyes focused on you, and to trust in the strength that you have promised to provide. Because when we are weak, you are strong. We love and thank you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to have some time for prayer requests here, but let me go ahead and uh, give you a couple. Uh, we want to remember to pray for Bill Adams, uh, who's having back issues. Uh, for Charlotte Miller, uh, who has lung cancer. And Carol George, who has lung cancer. And then... Um, there's a lady who's been coming to our church named Shirley, and I'm blanking on her last name. I think, it, is it Phillips? Do you know who I'm That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful.